what's funny is I'm I'm being really careful to only watch the episodes that we're going to talk about because I don't want to spoil myself. Well, welcome to Let's Talk About Thrones. This is a show where we get together with some friends and talk about a show that nobody else is talking about, right? We figure we'll That's do right. something really special and unique here. We're the only ones. <laughs> no one has Those ever the done voices. this before. Nobody. will ever do it again. Nobody. Those are the voices of Jenny and Anthony. Jenny has actually read the books. Anthony? Not this has... week. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony has uh, seen the whole series before. And, well, I have only seen the episodes that we're talking about with no advance information. I just want to so go on record try... to say that that's a lot of restraint Richard is putting forth to not just go ahead and watch all the rest of these episodes. I know. Oh, I I'm telling you. And particularly for this week, because after the last episode, I really wanted to watch on it. And I have a feeling that's going to happen a lot. Like yeah. there are going to be many episodes where at the end I'm going to be, I, I, what happens next? <laughs> but I'm um, doing my best. Yeah. You're in for a rough time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, luck, luckily, I'm, luckily right in the, right in like season three, four, you get some pauses, some couple week pauses where you can, kind of take it or leave it and then it just goes right straight back into the action so you're, you're basically just i mean it's it's your own poison i guess all right yeah that's true i agreed to this and i've wanted to watch the series so this is a great way to do it mm. all right now we are looking at two episodes this time we're looking at episode 103 lord snow and we are looking at episode 104 cripples bastards and broken things and we'll start with 103. The descriptor for this is really kind of generic. Lord Stark and his daughters arrive at King's Landing to discover the intrigues of the King's Realm. That, that actually sounds more interesting than the episode that I watched. <laughs> so, <laughs> the, uh, before the show, I was saying how we, yeah, we watched two episodes, but really we just watched one because these two episodes, 103 and 104, they go together so well. Episode 104 closes some of the stories in episode 103, and 103 is just like this perfect blend in. There's no major cliffhanger between the two, and it just it's kind of like one long episode split into two parts. I would agree with your assessment. <laughs> and it's funny that you guys say that, because I left episode three with a lot of questions, and episode four... Helped to answer those a little bit. Mm. So typically as the newbie, I end up going first to kind of talk a little bit about my impressions of the episode. And for we episode, <laughs> I know, I know. And, and try, try not to spoil me with your Snickers. But for episode three, I, honestly, I have more questions than anything else. And I'm hoping that for those that I couldn't figure out in episode four, you can help me because I need some information and I'm afraid to go out on the internet to find it because, you know, they have all the information and right. that might be bad because I don't want all the information. 
I only want to know what's going on through episode four so far. So here's the deal. All right. I love, I love that. Well, I don't know that I love it, but they're doing a good job of basically developing Joffrey as a spoiled asshole. But what I don't understand is how come all of a sudden he's not interested in the daughter? Is it because he was actually kind of found out as a little pissy coward? I think it's the phrase you're looking for is whiny little bitch. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) There's, there's no air of, uh, of arrogance around her anymore. He can't, he doesn't hold a superior position because he was a, 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 a whiny little bitch. Yeah. So there, he doesn't ha- hold a he doesn't hold a, 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 an opinion or he doesn't hold a, a position of superiority just based on his his stature in life. He's now just the kid that got his ass whipped by Sansa's little sister. Okay. All right. So because he can't hold anything over her, he's really no longer interested. That just boggles my mind. I don't get no, it. No, he's just embarrassed. He's a he's a little twelve year old embarrassed princeling, yeah. and he's uh, um, displaying certain tendencies, uh, which may uh, you know mark him as a little bit of a sociopath. Just thinking. Ah, well, yeah, uh, that wouldn't surprise me. That is not untrue. <laughs> no, that is untrue. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that wouldn't surprise me at all. Okay, so. Speaking of sociopaths, let's talk about some other Lannisters. Um, what's any, the deal any with of them. The... <laughs> <laughs> any of the Lannisters, if you're talking about sociopaths. <laughs> what's the deal with the brother killing the king or the, the king's hand? What? Who did the brother kill? Oh, so okay. Go ahead, Jenny. Okay, really simply. So the big fat king that sits on the throne and talks about ladies and boars and all that, who's yeah. best friends with Ned Stark, that's Robert Baratheon. First of his right. name. Right. First of his name. Uh, the Before that, the king that sat on the throne uh, was named uh, Ares Targaryen, and he was one of many, 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 many Targaryens to rule unbroken since Aegon the Conqueror, uh, they, who they talk about. And uh, so basically there were all these Targaryens who you'll learn a lot more about in the future, and then the last one was a complete nutter. And so he did bad things, which I will not go into. Well, it, and, it, it okay. explains some of it in yeah in episode one of four. If you want to jump ahead just a touch, in that he was actually burning people alive in the yes, throne right. room, um, which so that's why he got the moniker the Mad King. And at a certain point, uh, Jamie Lannister had had enough. He had his own. His, well, his own it was reasons, troops but. were advancing like the Baratheon and Starks had had enough and right. were actually fighting the war. And then when Tyrion, when, when blonde Lannister's father, who you have not yeah. met yet, uh, Tywin. uh, brings his troops into the city. That's when Jamie's like, oh, okay, maybe I'm going to kill the guy I'm sworn to protect. So now when everybody's hmm. jabbing at him, they're jabbing at him because he actually broke his oath as the King's guard, which is, you know, if you're guarding the King, you're not supposed to do that. But as you saw in the episode, I forget which, because they do really feel the same, 103, 104, uh, he did it because he was burning people alive and murdering people right. in the throne room, including the Starks to which Ned Stark is related. Does okay. that make sense? Okay. Yeah, that, that totally makes sense. Yeah. I, I, I get that. Okay. So that actually clears up a lot. Um, two other comments that I have on this episode. One, I... I I love 
seeing Viserys getting no respect. I mean, in in this episode, he gets really pissed off because his sister is now important and he's not. And I love that. I think that's awesome. Are, are we just officially combining these into one episode because... The, yes. There's no way to differentiate between the two. Not really, well, no. and that right. That, I mean, that further happens in the fourth episode, but that's kind of established for the first time. You guys hinted at that in the last episode that we had talking about 101 and 102, but that really comes to a head in 103 and 104. And then finally, I love how Snow has just kind of engendered himself to and taken over the group of what rangers is that what they call themselves well yeah the, the, night's, the, watch. the night's watch yeah the night's watch i that is so cool just watching the the social engineering going on there mm. under the nose of like the jerk who's trying to be in control i love it now you have to if you're going to talk about social engineering, though, you have to talk about who's actually doing the social engineering, which is right. a Lannister. Right. Tyrion Lannister is the one that went in there and got all those puzzle pieces oh, yeah. put together. And oh, yeah. And, and, and uh, to reach into the far flung uh, uh, wildness of my mind, I loved seeing those scenes between Jon and and um, Tyrion. Because of the impact that those conversations have later on, yeah, and, okay, and th- and I can say that without being spoiler because, regardless of, of where you're going, it's it's amazing that those conversations happen, and then how they fetter out in future episodes, and it, it just it really and sets the, a stage. The time between setup and payoff is insane. Oh my god, yes, yes, um, but that 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 relationship that they build right there, and to have have uh, Tyrion leave and now John is basically like this this person that, that gave him 10 minutes of tutoring is now gone he, he, he just has to run with it it's really interesting to see John and how he he uses his natural charisma and his, his noble ways to really take care, take over the scene and start taking care of the people that were just earlier you know of course months earlier but were earlier trying to beat his ass and and, and you know take him out yeah, absolutely. And I don't know if this is a premature character determination, but I mean, it strikes me that they're trying to establish him as a good man, kind of in comparison to all the other stuff that's going on around him. I had forgotten how much of a dick Alistair Thorne was. Mm-hmm. Right from the start. Oh, right from the very get-go. Holy crap. I had forgotten just because I mean, things changed so much. It just it blew me away. Well, you know what? When you have to eat humans, pretty much there's nothing left but being a dick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That um, was kind of a harrowing story. Yeah. So how about you guys? What what else? You you said that you saw some stuff that you hadn't noticed before, like like his being a jerk from the beginning. Anything else that you didn't catch the first time through? I didn't realize how early in the in the series Littlefinger professes his love outwardly for Catelyn Stark, mm-hmm. and like, then like immediately after for his daughter, her daughter. Right, it, it gets real creepy real quick, but it's amazing. Like the first words out of his mouth are how much he loves Ned's wife. Just, <laughs> just yeah. awkward, man. Like show some restraint, <laughs> you know. For beers, man. Um and the, all every interaction that Ned had 
in the keep so far has been outstanding. The dialogue is just punchy. It's on point. There's there you you can tell that it, like having watched all of it that we've watched, you can tell that there's they're leaning into certain things, but they're doing it in a way that you don't realize until well after the fact. Yeah. I mean, they're the dialogue itself is foreshadowing things that are going to happen five seasons from now. Yeah. It's incredible. There was a there was another one I didn't write it down this time because I didn't have pen and paper, but like there was another one where I was just like Oh my God! Oh, I know what it was. It was um, when Robert Baratheon is telling war stories with Barristan Selmy, the head of the King's Guard, um, and he says, "This is unfortunately before Jamie Lannister gets in the room because they never tell you that they shit themselves when they die, right?" <laughs> and you, it's a throwaway line that shows you this is a guy who knows the reality of war, hmm. but it's a throwaway line that isn't thrown away forever. It's really interesting. Just small little bits of character shading that in season one will help you better understand a character in season seven. <laughs> Wait, are you saying we're actually going to see someone shit themselves when they no. die? No. no. Oh, okay, but, good. But you are given a measure. You're given a measure between real soldiers and soldiers who play in beautiful golden armor. Hmm. Right. That's the point of that, which is to contrast real warriors as they see themselves with those who prance about in their beautiful golden hair and golden armor, which is the Jamie Lannister. And uh, what's really fascinating about that is that so that sets the standard of if you really know if you've really watched a guy die, then you know a certain thing about when people die. And it it, it is interesting when it comes up later. It's mirrored later. Tiny Um, point. Really fascinating. Speaking of... And Stark makes that point when he's talking with Jamie, saying, you know, not a scratch on your armor. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, of course, Jamie throws it away as, well, many many men have tried, but they they all seem to miss. And he's like, well, you choose your your enemies very well. (laughs) Like, the the dialogue in this episode, especially, well, in these two... It, it just so much of it is just dead on point. It's so ridiculous. Well, it it is, and but the other thing is, it it's kind of like okay, we're not we're not holding back anymore. Like they put on airs of politeness when they met in Winterfell, but now they're not doing that anymore. Right, right. Now, kind of, you know, they they have the claws out when they're talking with each other. They all know each other's backgrounds. Why are we pretending to be nice to each other? This is the situation. Let's deal with it. What I don't understand, though, is like, do the Lannisters actually see the Starks as a threat? Like what? At one point in time, Cersei says to to Joffrey, anyone who's not us is an enemy. And she's specifically kind of referring to the Starks, but trying to trying to uh, kind of paint it in terms of, you know, if, if they're not us, then they're against us. And, and why the animal, like, what is the thing with the animosity for the Starks? Do we know yet? I want to answer that question. Okay. So we don't it. know. Yeah. Yet. It's not specific. Right. It's not specific. It's just every character that you see now that you're, you as a first time viewer are just trying to get a sense of just trying to say like whose father is this and how are they related 
by the time you get to where we are, you will have such a perfect understanding of all of them. And so mm. I, I wouldn't say any more. I don't want to say any more about the Lannisters because you will follow their journey in the past and the present. And it is pretty magnificent. Yeah. Um, I, I will say that as of right now, as of the end of the fourth episode, there are no named characters that don't have a major impact somewhere in the story. Mm-hmm. Like there are no throwaway characters. Everyone who has a name has a name for a reason. Even if you caught it, Jenny, they had a toss out line about Jane Poole. Yep. Which is, is something from the books that never quite translated over. Yep. Um, so it, it just, it just the little things like that, the little foreshadowing that they had, the ideas that they had, and they, they so had a good crystal clear mind of where this was going to go. It's really awesome. Yeah, and I love the line that Cersei says that the truth is flexible for a king. Right. Which is kind of <laughs> what we're living right now, if you think about it. I was going to say, I, I think we have a press secretary that has echoed that exact same sentiment. <laughs> yeah, and it's funny how this was, how many years ago now that this episode came out, and yet they, they've hit this nail on the head so thematically that it still resonates now, yeah. even more so than then uh so yeah so basically you're you you've arrived in k like the 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 general sense is you've arrived in king's landing things are immediately complicated the sisters are trying to figure things out ned is trying to figure things out and realizing it's going to be just as bad as he thought it was going to be uh there's, you've got there's, Ka- there's, catlin there's, showing up in a whore house <laughs> which <laughs> Both of those scenes, when when Catelyn gets there and when Ned gets there, both of those are perfect. Like I can't, yeah. I can't praise the dialogue enough this early in the show because of just how smart it stays throughout the entire series. It's it's awesome to rewatch these these beginning conversations and and Littlefinger's chuckle and you know and how things are just they just they click so much later like so many long-term payoffs in these first episodes. It's ridiculous. I I was a little bit confused about Catelyn being there because didn't we talk about how these two lands are actually quite far apart? Yes. But uh, they took a boat. There's a lot of time that's passed, passed on as well. You'll learn that time is very fluid. Uh, you, viewing time, tape time, does not equal story time at all. There's no correlation. Yeah, don't even try for it. Sure, okay. It'll 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 drive you mad. It's at least mostly linear, like it doesn't go back in time, but there are times where a five minute viewing period between scenes will end up being two months, and another time will be five minutes. The, there's there's no direct correlation between how much time you watch the show and how much time has passed in the story. Yeah, except um, that it we co- should we should briefly talk about our our our, our gal Daenerys here. We've we've left her oh. out because at this point she is entirely removed from the the continent, let alone the rest of the storytelling. Uh, um, there was a point where Jorah Mormont both and I found it so interesting. He both recognizes and reinforces Danny's position as Khaleesi mm-hmm. in the same line of dialogue. When at the time when you know when uh, when her brother meets her out there in the in the bush or whatever, it's yeah. And there's there's like visual dialogue happening in that scene that's just amazing. 
Yeah. Jorah Mormont is really up there with my favorite characters for many, many reasons. But um, uh, he is just, he knows what he is. He knows what he's supposed to be doing. And he is just, I don't know. He's just one of my favorites. I don't have anything smarter to say than that. But um, he's also, he's just training her. He's training her how to be in command. Well, and I he's, think that's- well, just like in the last, the last podcast we talked about how he brought the books, like he is her anchor to Westeros. Yeah. And he continues to develop that part of the relationship through these. And it's really interesting to see Danny's development as a character as well. It, in the little bit of screen time that she gets in these two episodes, you can, you can just, you follow along and the development is just right there. You can just see her taking over that role and, and standing up into that role, even being what in the book, she's 13, right? In the, in the show, she's 16 or whatever. Like even being that young, she's just this leadership role in, in this, this land she's been thrust into and she's just taking it. There, there's a, a, mm-hmm. a switch that clicks over and she's just, she's not even worried about Westeros right now. She's worried about her Kalisar. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, I wouldn't want to let any discussion of episode three pass by without talking about my favorite, Sirio Farrell, oh, first yes. sword of Bravos. <laughs> it's th- this her time with Sirio and her training and and how Ned brings uh, Arya into it and like th- that was all kind of surprising to rewatch because when it happened initially you didn't mm-hmm. really know how that was going to work out and like what what does all this mean but now knowing you go into that like oh this is such a great development for Arya's character and this is like her this is her genuine foundation all the stuff that happened and, before this is just yeah. emotional turmoil this is her foundation yeah and also Richard just note this line for later uh, when uh, Arya uh, tells Sirio she's like I'm a girl I'm not a boy he says doesn't matter if you're a boy or a girl Mm. and he might as well have said you are no one right exactly that's all i'm gonna say about that (laughs) the non-spoiler drop makes no sense to you (laughs) non-spoiler spoiler drop (laughs) 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 we need a uh we need need a uh an audio zinger for that the the non-spoiler drop yep um, I also want to talk about Ned Stark and it, it, at the very end of episode three, before it makes the transition to episode four, there's a scene where he hears the battle in his mind mm-hmm. and it continues, even though the sound from the scene drops down, the sound from the battle still plays in his head. Like he still has some PTSD right. from this. Yeah. Ah, see, I didn't even catch that, but yeah, that makes complete sense. Yeah, that was, and I don't know why I didn't notice it the first time, but I definitely noticed it this time. Um, just Sean Bean's face during that scene because it kind of like it fades to black on his face as the the sounds of yep. battle are roaring in the background, but it's not in the right. room. And it's, it's yeah, such a great cinematic scene when they did that. Yeah, yeah, um, that was very cool. For Ned and 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 Bran with the three eyed raven. <laughs> like you, yeah. you, you, you know, I'll confess. Uh, uh, on what first watch, second watch, and now third watch. I can do without so much three-eyed raven. Mm. It, well, because it doesn't... <laughs> there's no context for it for so long. Yeah. 
Like, you don't get anything more than just Bran dreaming about running around Winterfell chasing a raven with a, with a dot glued on his head. Yeah. Like, you, <laughs> you don't get anything out of it. In the books, there's so much more development for that. But in the show, there's just, there was no way to translate all of that over effectively. I will say that I thought that was actually going back in time until I realized when I saw the Three-Eyed Raven, oh, this is a dream. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, and that was... Uh, I'm glad it was short. I'm glad it was there because it does kind of lead into things, but uh, I agree, Jenny. There's there's too much of it without enough development behind it to start off yeah. with. Yeah. Um, one thing I will say is how much right from the beginning... Oh, no, I shouldn't say this. I shouldn't definitively say this. I should ask Richard... What did you think of the character who arrived in episode four up at the wall named Samuel Tarley? Oh, mm. yeah, I that was that was really interesting. I think I don't know what significance he has necessarily. But again, if anything, I think it worked to develop John as a decent guy mm. and. So, like, I I really took to that scene. I really felt for, like, John, who's like, no, you guys are not going to mess with this kid. Yeah. You know, and I, I thought that things. that was a really, I, I thought that was a really cool moment. Again, I don't know what other significance that might have, but I thought that was pretty cool. And um, then when they started actually getting to know each other a little bit, when they were cleaning inside uh, the eating hall, I thought, you know, that that was also good development. So, you know, I don't know if I'm going to expect to see him for very long because, um, you know, I get worried about stuff like this. I don't want to get attached to characters that I like. Anyway, Sam is is uh, w- within one character. He has so many different keys to so many different aspects of the show, and you see that hmm. right off the beginning because he is one of the his arrival and the way that that he and John interact is one of the one of the little tumblers that turns in John and turns him into a different person, a more compassionate person, and someone that can can empathize with people in a different position and display that and be comfortable with that, which again is, is furthering his own development as a, as a, as a character, but also develops that friendship between him and Sam. And that is, you know, that's like the first Sam's in the first, the first time that Sam's in an episode, he unlocks something. And, and Sam is just, he's, he's the key. He's the biggest key in Westeros. That's all I'm going to say. I think that's also like a, a big hairy guy named Samwise. I couldn't help I but think back to Lord of the Rings. It's it's Samwell. It's Samwell. It's doesn't matter. Oh, Samwell. Sam okay. It's you're, but you're, <laughs> Richard. You're entirely on track because he really he. It's safe to say they're setting him up to be the Samwise Gamgee uh, of in terms of loyalty, if not prowess or practical skills uh, of this saga. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And, and, and again, Sam is just one of those characters that it, all everything that happens to him, you're always right there with him. And and I don't know if it's the, the actor, how the actor portrays him or the way that it was written or some really delicate balance between the two. But Sam is always just a favorite character for as long as he's on the show. 
Yes, all three episodes. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Okay. So um, the, I have another I, I wanna, question. I, okay, go ahead. What's with the interest in the blacksmith? Like what? So Stark's afraid, talking with I'm him. I'm afraid we can say nothing. Yeah, that's that's but that's a ruling. So Stark, Stark's talking with him for what seems like forever to me. I don't know mm-hmm. why it seemed like forever. And then, then he walks slow. away and he's like, oh, so he has a bastard too. I'm like, wait, how did you come to that conclusion from that conversation? Mm. So here's here's one of the... If you were to watch these episodes 15 times, you would never come up to this conclusion. But all the clues about... There. They're all there. Everything that you need to know is in these two episodes. To, yep. d- to discover that entire character line. Like, all of it uh, is available to you right now, but there's no way you could piece it together with what you have. Okay. It, it's, the mo- it's the world's worst logic problem. All the clues are there, you just don't know where they go. Yeah, it is startling how much of it is right there. Yeah, it's like they, they, they throw it at you, you just don't know to catch it because you're not expecting it. Hmm. Is, is that okay. enough for you? <laughs> sure. Well, that, that I don't feel as stupid as I felt last night then. Yeah, um, I, I did want to bring it back real quick to Sansa. And th- she has a very important development uh, point in this these episodes as well. And that's at the joust. Mm-hmm. She, she goes from everything is peachy, everything is keen, and all of this royal life is wonderful. Wait, the prince doesn't want to talk to me? Okay, well, that can be fixed. Oh, my God, what just happened? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like uh when when uh oh what's his name the, the mountain when, well when the mountain takes out the the other guy sir with the, hugh sir hugh there you go with the javelin or not yep. the javelin the joust the in joust. the throat they were jousting yeah yeah that, I, was, that was that was brutal and that was really your first chance to see the level of gore that the show's willing to go to when it just pans sits there on on him on sir hugh for like it seems like four or five minutes, but it's only like four or five seconds <laughs> of him gurgling on his own blood with yeah. the, with a joust in the in his throat. Like it was, it kind of sets the tone for other things. But for Sansa, this really that's like her first hard indication. This is not Camelot. If they mm-hmm. if they had a Camelot in Westeros lore, right? And what's funny is I didn't realize this, and maybe you're not supposed to realize this until they pull back. But that happened right in front of her. Right. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Like dead spot in front of her. She was perfect position to watch it. And I, th- I think really that whole scene was meant for that. I mean, it has implications later on, which are kind of roundabout and almost insubstantial by the by the time you get to it. But for that to happen right in front of Sansa, really, it's her first smack of true reality, not emotional or or. But this is not what I what I signed up for. Hmm. Also, there's a creeper on her left. <laughs> Last episode, I was in love with your mother. Now I'm very infatuated with you. Well, Hi, little yeah, finger. Yeah. <laughs> he was so, Just, so weird in that scene. I mean, definitely inappropriate creepy. Just the name, little finger. Mm-hmm. Just the name, Little finger. They're not talking about his pinky. <laughs> 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 like, uh, but but on the other hand, as creepy as he is, it's such a good character, and yeah. so thorough, and so 
Oh, just well imagined. It's such a good character. Yeah, I. Yeah, it's just going to be a long seven to eight seasons. Um, I think the last (laughs) thing probably that we have to talk about, like there's a lot. You could talk about this for hours, but like the most important thing comes at the end of episode four in which you see Catelyn Stark, you know, take Tyrion into custody but the way that she does it, I had such an interesting reaction to it the mm. first time, which is the first time I was like, this is the most badass thing I've ever seen in a really long time. It's beautifully written. She totally pulled it off. And the next time I saw it, I was like, you dummy. Mm. Like, it was really, <laughs> it was really fascinating. It was really fast. Still a good scene, but like, it's just tragic. Anyway, sorry, I probably said too much. Sorry, Richard. Yeah, no, I well, so... That scene where she basically calls on all the people that know that know her family, yeah, and and calls on them to be at her aid, kind of un unknowingly. I I think you're right in that that was really powerful and really clever. However, I don't believe for a minute that Tyrion had anything to do with that kid's fall. Right. I mean, they've spent the entire episode setting or two episodes setting up that he's a good guy. Right. So or, or at, I least, have a hard at least he's not your typical Lannister. <laughs> I have a, I have a, yeah, I know, but I just have a really hard time believing that he would try to cover up why, how the fall happened for his, his brother. I just don't think that there's the motivation for him to, to do anything to help his brother that way. Th- this, that scene, though, is so. So Tyrion Lannister has a certain demeanor about him. He's got a certain level of knowledge and, and a certain way of interacting with people, and and kind of how things go through. But that scene is really what sets up the rest of his story. I, I feel like you say that, Anthony, with every character and every scene that we're having in these first couple episodes. Because it's like, true. Oh, <laughs> this scene is so important for everything else that happens. You're totally going to be doing this for the next like year, aren't you? No, yes. no, no. Only, only, <laughs> only for the next six months or so. Because then it'll start paying off. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. I, I basically, these are two really, to me, just to wrap up, because I have to go to bed. Uh, these are two really strong episodes. They're strong in a way that they don't have a lot of cliffhangers. It's not like people die, but it's not like super dramatic. But it is introducing you to the bigger world beyond basically Stark territory, which is where you've mostly been. Mm-hmm. It's been your solid grounding is this one castle in the north. And then you, you hop on over to Essos and all that. But um, I, I'm really fond of the way, the careful way in which they bring the world wider. A little bit at a time. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. And that sounds like a good way of closing this discussion, actually. So we have stuff coming up. Obviously, we're going to be talking about episodes, what is it, 105 and 106 next, The Wolf and the Lion and A Golden Crown. Mm. Those will be what we cover in our next discussion. And we get our first big payoff. Our next Mm -hmm. podcast, we'll be able to talk about our first big payoff. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Oh, and it is so right. juicy sweet. Oh, I can't wait to see you look on your face when we talk about that, Richard. Now, see, I'm going to want to just go watch it tonight then. I'm, <laughs> but I'm you can now. Yeah, you can now. <laughs> you have to remember it. Uh, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. <clears throat> All right. Well, before we do that, uh, we should probably just mention, you know, we're let's talk about Thrones. Jenny, man, that name sounds really familiar. Don't you talk about some other stuff? I do. It's almost like I've taken something and run with it in a ridiculously impractical way. Uh, the, the, <laughs> the grand pair and grand mare of uh, this show is a show called Let's Talk About Star Wars with Garrett Weinzerl and Tom Merritt, which you can check out at Let's Talk About Star Wars. Dot com. Uh, and it's really fun. We only do it once a month because we all have a lot of other stuff to do. And sometimes if you talk about Star Wars, like even every week or every day, it might be a little bit too much. It wouldn't be for me, but it, there are a lot of Star Wars <laughs> podcasts. So we're like your big, we're your big picture once a month clatch uh, to really dive deep on the important things and let the other stuff sort of fall away. Uh, yeah, and that's, then, good. that's good because uh, that might be obsessive otherwise. Yeah, and then entirely by accident, uh, entirely by accident, my husband Matt and I started re-watching the 80s sitcom Cheers, and uh, the way he got me to watch it, all of it, all 11 seasons, uh, was to uh, say that he would do a podcast with me called Let's Talk About Cheers, and uh, the, the actual title of the podcast is called Where Everybody Knows You're Lame. Because we're doing this at our dining room table and just talking about a sitcom that came out in 1982. Uh, but uh, we're going to watch all 11 seasons. And uh, uh, it's funny because a lot of our friends who live in Hollywood who are writers, man, Cheers is the touchstone. It is a particular touchstone for a, a bunch of them. So uh, I have a feeling we're going to be hearing from some of them, too. So that's Let's Talk About Cheers.com. Yeah, and if if people want to listen to that, they should be listening to the latest episode of Tell It Anyway, right? That's where you Mm -hmm. premiered that. I premiered it. It'll probably be in the Tell It Anyway feed for a a couple of episodes, and then I'll be cross-posting, and then I will probably finally move it over so that I don't start getting emails from people being like, guys, I really only want a storytelling podcast in that feed, which I understand. I it's okay to pilot stuff in a feed. It's not okay to just totally hijack your own damn feed for another podcast. So that's my personal philosophy. Fair enough. Yeah, yeah. You, you, you made me feel very old when you were talking about that episode's, or the first and second episode, and referencing how in there there's kind of this this reference to knowing people that had been in one of the big wars. And I'm like, oh, damn. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm not that old, but I'm old enough that I was already in like college <laughs> when Cheers was on TV. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Well, if you want to come do an episode with us, the cross the cross pollination of the Let's Talk About universe is strong. Yes, it is. Yes, it is indeed. What do you All guys right, well, do? Well, this is a lot of fun. Oh, what do we do? We're going to talk about what we do? That's awesome. I love that. Well, I just did. I just shatted my mouth off for quite some time about what I did. So what do you do? 
That, that that could be a whole theme, though. We could just talk about what one of us is doing at the end of every episode. And... Let's talk about what we talk about. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, wow. That's, yeah. Okay, so, um, Anthony, you do some stuff. I think you have some podcasts, too, don't you? I do, in fact, have some podcasts. That's a good way of saying it. Um, my, my, my number one show is of course the ritual misery podcast, uh, which I host with my buddy Kent and we talk about all kinds of silliness and have really awesome guests on to talk about their, uh, what they geek out about and, uh, and share all things that are geeky and nerdy in the world. And then of course I'm also doing the undaunted podcast, which Richard has been a part of and Jenny will be as soon as I can get her to find some time. Uh? <laughs> and, uh? and, uh, uh? That's where I talk to podcasters about podcasting, and it's 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 not a podcast about just podcasting. It's, it's kind of getting peeling the layers back on the individual podcaster and getting into what makes them tick, and that's really really fun. Uh, this morning I did, as of the this recording date, I did uh, Owen J J Stone, aka Odakta, and uh, of course that was a nice throwback because according to him, he's the world's second best podcaster, behind uh-huh. only one each, Doctor Tom Merritt. So. Yes. PhD oh. podcasting. <laughs> um, Tom Merritt, an- mm. another guest on, on that show. So that's a really fun one. And uh, you can check both of those out at ritualmisery.com. How about you, Richard? Very you, cool. you, you, you're not brand new to the podcasting scene either. I am not. I have been doing this for a couple of years. So I host two podcasts. I co-host a show that is called Entertainment 2.0. And we talk about entertainment in the Microsoft technology space. And believe it or not, that is a thing. And I also yeah. host a show called Home On, and that's a show about DIY home control and automation. And there's lots of stuff going on in that space. So we have all kinds of cool things going on there. So you can check all of those shows that we just talked about out in the Google Play Store, in iTunes, or in the podcatcher of your choice. In the meantime... We will be back here in about a week's time. We'll be talking about episodes 105 and 106. Talk to you later. Valor Morghulis. (laughs) I don't even know what that is. I know. Oh, you will. Don't forget to send us your favorite part of these episodes to Let's Talk About Thrones at gmail.com.